Welcome to the Black Knight Nation podcast. I'm Sal Interdonato. The Black Knight Nation podcast is sponsored by Higher Echelon. Higher Echelon is a world-class consulting firm that trains employees in sports psychology secrets that drastically improve work performance. Founder Joe Ross is retired Army. He was a fullback at Army, and he also was an assistant coach at Army. And we thank Joe Ross for sponsoring this podcast and break like to bring in our guests for the night. Uh, two guys who know each other pretty well, two teammates, classmates, Keith Walker, former Army kicker, and Bit Rombush, former Army kicker and punter. Uh, guys, thanks for joining us tonight. Great, Sal. Thanks for inviting us. Appreciate the opportunity to talk about Army football. It's awesome. Absolutely, Sal. Thank you so very much. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, usually when we start these podcasts off, we uh, ask you how you uh, got to West Point. You know, what – what um, drove you to West Point first off and how maybe, you know, recruiting is obviously a little bit different then than it is now. And uh, maybe I could just ask you guys both, what kind of drew you to West Point and how did you, um, how did you kind of discover West Point? Cause some guys you, I talk to currently now the recruits are like, well, we, we knew a little bit about West Point, but once they first, when they first contact us, we know a lot more. So, uh, First off, maybe Keith, how, how did you uh, get to West Point? So how was your journey start? Well, I uh, saw my first Army-Navy football game when I was 12. And I thought, you know what? I, I my, my biological father was a sergeant, staff sergeant in the Army. I was born at Colorado Springs, Fort Carson. And I thought, what a great opportunity that would be if I could get to West Point. Um, as a, as a kicker, my senior year in high school didn't go very well for me. So I was not recruited by anybody. Um, I had, uh, visited a few division two colleges like Colgate or Lafayette, but during the whole process was applying to West Point and doing the academic approach to getting into the school. And, um, I could not believe it when I got the appointment and, uh, was accepted to go to West Point. I was there about three days and realized I made the biggest mistake of my life. And um, I called my mom because uh, they were offering tryouts for football and other core squad sports. And I was always an athlete, despite my size. Um, she sent me my cleats and my tee and I went up to the stadium one afternoon and kicked for Coach Hecker. And uh, he kept me on for the rest of the summer. And ultimately, my freshman year, I made it as the kickoff specialist for, for uh, varsity. Wow. Wow. But what's, what's your story of how your journey gets started? Yeah, I, um, I was actually in, started playing. I was in, uh, in high school. I was a, a quarterback. Um, and I actually ran the wishbone uh, when I was in high school and started to get a few looks from places like Army and, and the, the Naval Academy and, and whatnot because they were running similar uh, offense and had some uh, guy by the name of Ray Heath, who's class of 67, really kind of got me interested in the concept of going to West Point. Um, and I ended up breaking my thumb uh, my sophomore or my junior year. Had to sit out for a while and I just I started kicking. And I played soccer in high school as well. Um, and after I came back, I was, you know, I was kicking the ball really, really well and got recruited by, you know, a couple of schools, Georgia, Georgia tech, um, and, uh, Auburn and places like that. But I also really had a very deep passion for, for baseball as well. And army uh, coach Steve Farley, who was there in the, in the, in the eighties was one of the pitching coaches there. Uh, also took an interest in me at Army, and uh, Army was the school that offered me the opportunity to actually play both sports at the same at once. And um, so that was, you know, that was one of the things that really intrigued me. And I got, I went on a visit to West Point. It's kind of interesting. I, I stayed with Donnie Smith, who was uh, one of the All Americans in uh, the class of '85. And uh, I can remember staying in Donnie's room, and they had the minute the minute callers sitting out calling, uh, getting ready for formation. He's like, you don't have to worry about that. You're never going to have to do that. <laughs> sure enough. <laughs> like Keith said, after about the first couple of days, I was like, wait a minute, what did I get myself into? here?" <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Uh, but you know, you kind of get through, work through the grind and you get used to it and you, you kind of learn the rules of the game and play the game and, uh, it all works out in the end. And I was able to, you know, start as the, as a plead punter and, uh, and then ultimately went on to play baseball all four years as well. So it was great experience. You were kind of the Bo Jackson of uh, Army Athletics at that time, right? The two-sport athlete, so to speak. Yeah, well, I wouldn't exactly call it that. <laughs> I don't think anybody would actually refer to as a, a, a kickers and punters as being part of the Bo Jackson family. Uh, you know, but um, I can remember there was a quote in one of the Army-Navy games. I was, a, I was a pitcher and an outfielder of the baseball team. Not all that successful, so I'll, I'll start with that. Uh, but Brent Musburger kind of had a, had a joke that he relayed on TV that he thought was funny, but didn't really understand the context. It was what has more hang time, a Rambush curveball or a Rambush punt. And, uh, the, the context of that is the curveball going out of the stadium at, you know, 500 feet. <laughs> punt that goes, you know, five second hang time and 50 yards. So. I wasn't really uh, too happy about that. And I remember telling him about that later. He's like, oh, I didn't understand what that meant at the time. I thought that was a compliment. You know, Ben, in the same game, he signed a poster for CBS Sports for me to give to my dad. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Well, I mean, we could talk Army Navy um, maybe later on in the podcast because the you know the the rivalry and the history of Army Navy and your, your guys' involvement in it. Uh, but first off, you guys um, you were competing when you guys both came to West Point. You were kind of in competition to to be kickers. You competed to be kickers on the team too, right? So I mean, there's that. I mean, you look at right now with the quarterbacks that Army has. Right, they have six guys who Jeff Munkin says can start at any point during a game and um now, now you guys were probably uh they say it doesn't matter who's in they just want to win uh, wh what was your guys mindset back then was it kind of a little bit of the same with the army football brotherhood that you just want to do whatever you can to help out help out the team if, but let me let me take this first yeah, yeah. Uh, there we we can't even begin to talk about that until we talk about the mentorship of craig stopa okay and, and right. what he did to teach us you guys are going to be low profile, except when you're the only one out on the field. So you, you're going to also have a lot of free time. While everybody else is running offense, defense, and sprints at the end of practice, you guys better practice your trade. You better master your trade. And he taught us how to work outside of being supervised in practice. The drills that we did, the weightlifting we did. Now, don't get me wrong. We can only lift so many weights and kick so many balls a day. So we found ourselves playing darts and, and all kinds of obnoxious games to kill some time in between what was important, including sunbathing on the, the roof of the press box at Mikey Stadium. So, but in, in essence, um, going back to your question, I, I never looked at our rivalry as a competition. I, I always look to bit to make me better. And, and, and I think he did the same thing. And we both had this relentless um, uh, drive and, and most kickers get a bad rap because they're not physically apt, you know, bits a two sport college athlete. Um, I was in the weight room school in the offensive line, had a bench press. We, we all had a work. We both had a work ethic to master what we did. And, and the second part of that is the psychological element of the game we learned at Army that we may not have ever learned anywhere else. And uh, the concept of visualization, I believe it was Colonel Choka uh, who, who took us under his wing and, and saw the deficiencies and the anxieties that we were experiencing in different phases of the game. And, and he really spent time with us to be able to focus on what we can control and not what is going on around us that created anxiety. And, and I think that was a huge part of how we practiced, how we played in the games and, and how we went right back to work on, on Monday after the Saturday game, because we were imperfect. We knew that. And we felt we had to work extra hard as kickers to earn the respect of our teammates. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, um, I can remember as a as a plebe, I won the punting job, and Keith said, you know, he was doing kickoffs, and then coming back as yearlings, <clears throat> I had won the kickoff position and the field goal position. Uh, held that for I don't know four or five games. I ended up yielding that to Keith because I was I was inconsistent uh, on the field goal side. I I didn't. Was I upset personally that I kind of let the team down? Absolutely, but. You know, the first thing that Keith goes back in and he's he's kicking field goals, I'm right there trying to be the biggest fan. Uh, it turns out that the very next year, Keith ends up with a, a hip issue. I've got to step in and, and fill that void uh, for him while he's out. Um, he's one of my biggest cheerleaders on the sidelines. And we're, we we roomed together, um, you know, three out of the four years and, and even at the height of, the comp- of our competition. So um, it's – and we've been, I would say, probably best friends uh, through our football relationship and even throughout after the time we've left West Point and whatnot. Uh, so I don't think there's ever been an, an ounce of, you know, um, animosity or, you know, ill will. on one. We, we, are focus, we were focused on one thing, and, and I think Coach Young and Coach Hecker and uh, people along those lines that were, you know, amazing coaches kept us focused on what's the outcome what's the team pride poise team was it was the motto that we always had and um they built that into us and we knew just because of the type of team army was that if everybody didn't do their job to execute that our odds of winning just because we were slower undersized undermanned whatever the mantra was at the time we all had to had to be there and that and that didn't matter if you were the the water guy, the equipment guy, the guy on the sidelines, whatever. We all had a job to do and, and we were all there for each other. And that's part of the brotherhood that I think even Coach Munkin carries forward to today. Yeah, it certainly made a difference uh, in Army football present, no doubt. The, the tightness of the team and the just going out and giving it your all, whether you um, – are the starter or you're, you're coming in if, if your teammate gets injured. Um, we saw that um, on Saturday, a couple guys got, went down for army, especially um, center Connor Bishop, knowing that moves right over from guard to center. And they really didn't miss too much of a beat there as far as the center quarterback exchanges. Um, yeah. Right. It's, it's really coming true to that. Um, it's always next right man. now. It's, absolutely. You guys are, I uh, had some uh, accomplishments that I like to, to touch on. Keith, I believe you still have one of the highest field goal percentages in uh, Army football history, uh, 84% field goals and um, 27 out of 32 in your career. Um, so that 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 is something that should not be, uh, you know, you look at that and I mean, Army Army's kicking game in in, in current times is, is pretty strong with Cole Talley and Quinn Moretzky. Um, in the past, they've kind of moved kickers around. They haven't really had a guy really that you – that's kicked for multiple years. So you, you were certainly consistent for us there and bit, you had a 51 yard field goal against Northwestern when you were kicking. That's, that's, that's right up there among the longest kicks in army history still. And you're right up there among the, the punting leaders too. And you guys really didn't miss any extra points when you guys kicked, you know, you guys were pretty darn accurate when you guys were out there. And I guess it, it tells about how much, like you said, Keith, how much work you guys put into it and how much pride was in, playing special teams at that point for army right being able to contribute was probably the greatest sense of pride um because we saw how hard the mike bronze and the daryl sherbs and the chuck shretzman and the greg gadsons and the, all those guys worked so hard because they were in the trenches against guys twice their size but they had the heart of a mountain and um it was up to us not to let them down, really. That's what it came down to. Army-Navy uh, games in particular, um, I, I got my first field goal at Army-Navy uh, as, a, as a sophomore, and I, I, I couldn't imagine how – there were only two 24-yard field goals, but when we got into the locker room after the game, some of the seniors walked up to me and said, you were the reason that we were able to regain our momentum – and, and take over the game. You gave us life when we stalled and great job. And to me, that was the greatest compliment uh, I could ever have imagined receiving because here I am just a kicker. 
that's all we were, just a kicker. And, and we, we took great pride in, in, in special teams. I, I forget the name of the special teams. I think they call it the sauce squad today with uh, uh, the special teams coach. We, we had the nut squad um, back then because, you know, we were, we were absolutely nuts. And, and Coach Young was – he was unbelievably – he was a mastermind in taking military applications and applying it to um, – to the game. And so we were students of, I can, I can remember coming in as a plea. We were students of Sun Tzu. So everything that, um, that he built on had a military application to it. So it was something not only we could take, you know, from the classroom in terms of military history, but we could take it to, you know, competition, the weight room, preparation for battle, preparation against the enemy, which was obviously the opposing force, et cetera. And again, doesn't matter what position you're in, it was always with with JY, it was always about the mental game of how are you applying yourself to, you know, whether you're on the uh, you know, the the, uh, the the scout team or the first team, we're all working at this, you know, at the pace of trying to make each other better and, you know, coming out on the other side of that battle at, at the end of the day. And while that's you know, we don't ever want to compare things to, you know, physical war that we've been used to for the last 20 plus years. But at the same time, going into it with that type of mentality, I think, is is outstanding um, way for us to, you know, take those learnings from the classroom to the athletic field and also into, you know, ultimate areas of leadership as, as we graduated from the school. I want to ask you guys about pregame rituals or because it, because. Keith, Keith, when you're saying you're playing darts and sunbathing on the press box, you know, I got to think that there are some uh, unique pregame rituals that I mean, especially with kickers. Right. But maybe uh, did you did you guys have any pregame rituals that you could share with us? Just a few. Um, let's see. It, it, it started. It started the moment we got on the bus. We sat in the second seat on the left hand side, right side of the bus behind J.Y., I sat on the window. He sat on the aisle. We got to the hotel. I would sleep on the bed closest to the window. Bit would sleep on the bed closest to the door. Uh, we would have a ritual going into the game every every Saturday um, in terms of mental prep and our alone time and our together time. Um, our routines in practice were pretty stringent, you know, when we were working. Um, but when you work hard, you learn to play hard too, you know, in moderation. But um, again, it, it, it was it was instilled in us by Tomoranu Kukuru, the whole concept of discipline and mastering your trade and being ready for battle when the time comes. And you know, there was some tolerance uh, because of our success, no doubt. But um, we we did teach we followed the legacy and taught the other younger guys below us what it is to to be responsible in your off time and make make the best of it while you had it anything you can add as far as pregame uh, rituals oh, gosh i mean uh, it you know keith keith said it all i mean even myself personally i mean it was how you put what socks do you what sock do you put on first? How do you lace your shoes? How do you get dressed? How do you? I mean, it is, you know, Colonel uh, Choka, who at the time, while we were there, had started up some behavioral studies, and Keith mentioned it earlier. And his his concept was around, you know, you don't necessarily have to go out and kick 150 balls or, you know, lift weights until you pass out, et cetera, or run, et cetera. His thing was, can you visualize what happens in the game? Can you put yourself in a state of mind that you can you, that you can physically just do a replay in your head? And so we got to the point where we tried to stay within that within those rituals, and it became part of that visualization process. And so when you go out on the you know when you go out on the field, it's like, well, I've done this a hundred thousand times. I haven't kicked it a hundred thousand times, but I've done it a hundred thousand times in my mind. And, and so you're able to just kind of relax, enjoy the moment, go through. I mean, you know, being on the field um, becomes, you know, something that you can enjoy the art, the, the act of participation and competition um, when you can get to the point where you're not worried about, 
failure or what if or what if, what happens if I don't do this or do that, you can go into it with, you know, a supreme amount of confidence at the end of the day. No doubt. No doubt. Now, Keith, you mentioned um, your sophomore year kicking your first uh, field goals against uh, Navy. Um, maybe you guys could just uh, tell us a little bit about your fondest uh, Army-Navy memories. Is, is that your 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 best, your biggest one, Keith, or what, what are some of the memories you have from Army-Navy games? Well, uh, first and foremost is the whole setup to the Army-Navy week. It starts on the, the – the Sunday after the game before Navy two weeks. And it's just mayhem within the cadet regiments um, prepping for Navy. And, and our prep as a team became ultra focused. Uh, you noticed a, a, a little bit of pucker in the coaches step, you know, they were, they were all amped up and, and JY was just so focused and he had had detailed plan that we followed meticulously through that two-week period. Um, but so when the game came, you know, the, the concept of making practice harder than the game, um, the mental element of that was was key for our team because it was two weeks off. It was easy to relax. It was easy to get out of sync. It was easy to lose your timing. And, um, you know, uh, that in itself, when the game started and we came out of the tunnel, there was just such an environment and an electricity. Um, people that I that I had given tickets to come to the game said that the Army Navy game has got to be the most electric stadium experience they've ever had. And um, but as far as playing, I, to be honest with you, I can't really remember the moments. Because as soon as the kick ended, I was preparing for the next one. So I never really took the time to, to think about it. It's not until after we were done at West Point that YouTube started coming up with all these videos. And, and, and I found myself sending videos to my nephew and my, my kids. Hey, this was me in college. This is so cool. Check this out. And then now I relish in the opportunity that I had that I wish I had appreciated a lot more while I was there. Yeah. I, you know, I'll tell you, I can remember as a plebe, our first army air force game and our first, uh, army Navy game. Um, and you, you try, you try to understand the importance of it as you're going through and as it relates to other games, et cetera. And you, you get the feeling of the vibe on, on post and whatnot, because you have spirit week. And I mean, there's laundry cart races, there's all kinds of pep rallies and spontaneous spirit rallies and spirit missions. And you're like, wow, this is amazing. And I can remember going to air force as a plea. The day we got the day before we got there, it was 55 degrees and sunny. The day of the game, it was, we had 20 mile an hour winds. We had six inches of snow on the ground. And, uh, the wind chill was like zero never been colder in my entire life. And it was one of the low lights in my life. I think we, we got beat 43 to 14 or 48 to 14. I had a six yard punt in the game. Uh, and we get back to post and it's probably one or two o'clock in the morning and I'm a plebe and I'm cruising down the walls. And I have an upperclassman stop me in the hallway, Rambush what in the hell was that? And he starts quizzing me on knowledge as a plea at one o'clock in the morning after we just lost the air force. <laughs> and I was just like, that was, that was like the level of intensity that, you know, the core of cadets was that had about playing air force. And then I can remember we lost the Navy that year. Napoleon McCallum ran, had like 250 yards rushing against us. And typically after, if you beat Navy, the plebes get to uh, get recognized or they fall out after, after that. We didn't get that opportunity. And so we came back after Christmas and it was just, it was miserable. Yeah. And so you, you just really get this sense of feeling about how ingrained uh, that rivalry is. And until you until you get to kind of feel it, live it, and, and and experience it when you're on post with the cadets, and then also 
when things don't go well, but when they do go well, I mean, it's it, it's an amazing it's an amazing feeling. I think I didn't really appreciate what Army, Navy, and Army Air Force meant until we got involved with the Army Football Club. Yeah, and then you see all these gentlemen come in that were nineteen fifties football players. And and then what was what's the forgotten the forgotten era? Yeah, the seventies. <laughs> Those poor guys, you know, they never beat Navy. So, yeah. you know, the the hype of, around Army Navy and Army Air Force is is uh, incomparable to most things in sports. Yeah, and I guess now as Army football alums to see the success that Army's having now over his service, you know, it's seller service Academy brothers or rivals must be uh, fun to watch. I mean, three out of the last four seasons have been commander in chief trophies at West point. Um, you know, right now army is the top service Academy team in the country. I don't, I don't think that's in question as we speak. And it must be a lot of fun as former players to be watching what's happening right now. In the yeah. I, I, you know what? It really, it really is. And I, I would tell you since uh, coach Monken's been back, there, there are some, and, uh, and I'm talking from the 80s perspective, there's some things that he's brought back from the 80s and the JY era. Like you can see the guys wearing Ranger uh, jerseys. JY had the Ranger club. Um, he, you know, he's brought in, you know, put up some of the, the, the kind of the old plaques and things like that about Ranger club and things like that in the, in the locker room. He has, I think, done a phenomenal job of bringing, uh, bringing the history of the game, connecting the history of the game to the players of the present. And I know, you know, I've established, you know, Keith and I had the opportunity to play as an example with the special teams coach this summer at the Army Football Reunion. So he's connecting, he's connecting players, he's connecting coaches. I'm now um, in regular kind of, you know, pen pal contact, if you will, with. Zach Harding, who's the punter. Um, there's a kid from Austin, which I'm from Austin, Texas now, or living in Austin, Texas. Uh, Spencer Jones, who's one of the linebackers. Spencer Jones and I are on, you know, just regular contact. Um, Matthew Rhodes, who is from Auburn, Alabama, who's a plebe, who's going to be a specialist and a baseball player. Um, I've connected with him and, and a couple of the other special teams folks. And so, so there, there's a, you know, there is a, a great opportunity that, that Coach Munkin has really taken advantage of to make sure the history is connected to the present and the present is connected to the history. And, and I think that is a, you know, kind of sends chills up my spine, spine because it allows us to continue to be connected to the, to the program and, and to really kind of help these guys stay connected to the history and what it means for us um, as, as you know, former players and, and, and the experiences that we've had. I think it's an, it's amazing what he's doing there right now. Yeah, Keith, I mean, to ha to play uh, a, gol a golf round with Sean Saturnio must have been pretty entertaining. That guy just has so much energy, right? I mean, that must have been a fun time. We had a blast. He, he was a great, great partner. Yeah, and so the Army Football Club, right? I've been to um, a few of the uh, Friday nights before the golf outing and just, you know, meeting, like you're talking about, Ben, meeting, and Keith, you were talking about meeting some of these guys and have these have those guys telling their stories, whether it be in a, a five-minute interview or just some of the history of who, who they played against back in the day, the legends of the game that Army went up against. I mean, when Mike Dick is on the opposite side <laughs> of the field and 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 that, that stuff is incredible and just talking about their stories about who one um talked to one guy i believe joe i could be wrong here um a guy who played in the late 50s who was recruited by vince lombardi you know i mean that's just yeah. that's royalty that's that's football royalty college football or pro that is royalty he was recruited by vince lombardi and he told me his story about how he Vince Lombardi told him to play like a two-on-two -two basketball game to see how high he could jump during his recruiting visit, you know? So uh, just just good stuff all around. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the present right now with Army football. And bit, you mentioned Zach Harding. And uh, Zach Harding has had two really solid seasons for Army uh, prior to this year. And now he's um, back as a senior. And, you know, he didn't get a chance to punt against Western Kentucky. There were no punts. <laughs> there were no punts in that game. Uh, but I mean, just what do you see in him 
that, I mean, Coach Munkin thinks he's a next-level punter. Oh, I 100% agree with that. And, um, I mean, he's got great size. Uh, he's got – I mean, he finished in, the, in you know, the top end of the country last year. He's got some great special teams coaching, and, uh, you know, he's got the right level of focus. You know, the, I think the challenge for him is going to be, unfortunately, when Army holds the ball 42 to 44 minutes a game. You know, if you continue the, the way they're uh, way they're playing, he may only get to punt the ball like five or six times this year. So, uh, you know, I think that'll be his his challenge. But, uh, you know, he, he will definitely have the opportunity to, I think, play at the next level and be invited to, you know, whether it's, a, you know, a, a pro day or something like that on, on post or, or whatnot. But I, I think the, um, you know, the the other interesting thing about this is, you know, you look at some of the some of the guys that we have out that are playing at the Chargers now and the Eagles and Radigan now at the Seahawks. He get, he just gets you know invited to you know the full team or I'm sorry the the you know the regular squad here for the full season. Uh, I think just yesterday or today. I mean, those are chances that we didn't have when we were as part of that. So I. I mentioned earlier, Donnie Smith, Donnie Smith was a first team All-American. You know, he would have gone in the, you know, probably first four, three or four rounds in the NFL, but didn't have the opportunity to do that. And we've we've had several, you know, players that have gone through the ranks that have had some of those types of opportunities. I'm glad to see uh, the Department of Defense and the Department of the Army allow these, these kids to have the opportunity to um, experience that at the next level and at the same time be great advocates for the academy and for the military uh, and for and, and then ultimately you know they're all going to come back and and repay their uh, their debt and and continue to serve but right you know that's it's a great advertisement for us I think in the community and uh, across the, the those types of, of sports and activities. Now, Keith, I had the opportunity to talk to Cole Talley before the season started. It was a, a it was like an eight eight to ten minute interview, and it, he seems like he's a very he he didn't play uh, last year. He didn't get a chance to play last year, but this year he's been pretty consistent so far, two for two in field goals. And he just seems like he has the right kicking mindset. I mean, he just seems like he's like a very like. Um, I don't know if he goes sunbathing on the top of the press box, but he has that kind of like you know this mindset that he's just focused on when it's game time it's game time when it's practice time it's practice time when it's you know he's class time yeah and he but he also seems to enjoy the game and i don't know i think we see that a lot with this army team right and how much enjoyment they have going out there every every saturday whether it be offense defense or special teams no i i agree and cole uh, i'm only five four i was 170 pounds five foot four my senior year Smallest player, I think, in Army football history. This kid's six foot tall. He's got a great frame. And if he works at it and maintains his flexibility and builds some muscle mass, he really could also be a next-level player. But it, it, it comes down to the discipline mentally, physically, and finding the balance between the number of balls you kick on the field and the number of balls you kick in your head. Yeah, um, I, I guess what I was getting at with Cole is that um, you look at the first game, right? They tried a fake um, fake two-point conversion with him running the football, and he's looking for contact. You know, the guy is, the guy is looking for contact on the edge. There. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he, he's a big boy, he's, he's, he, and he has that power and, and – and I wouldn't. I, I was the same way. I was a linebacker in a kicker's body. Um, I, I had quite a few tackles on the kickoff team my freshman year, and um, you know, it, but it's a mindset. And and if he's got that, he's 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 on a path to success. I was hoping he got into the end zone because I was waiting for the celebration. You know, kicker crossing the line, getting a two point conversion. I was waiting for. I, you know, you, you never see. I've never seen Army player spike the ball, so I don't know what he would have done, but it would have been interesting. Um, yeah, before it, we get to, it, it, I was just gonna. I was gonna add to that. You know, so Keith said. I think one of the things that we also prided ourselves on while we were there it is, as kickers, it's like, oh, you guys aren't really football players. You're just kickers. Well, um, you know, I Mike Mayweather, who's in the Army Football Hall of Fame. I when it, whenever I see Mike Mayweather, I always ask him like, "Who had more yards per carry, you or me?" 
So I had two carries for, for 18 yards. And uh, so, and, you know, and then I have a couple of friends, a, a work colleague of mine who was a linebacker at Army who didn't play much. And he always gives me, you know, a hard time about being a kicker. And I always ask him, well, who had more tackles, the kicker or the linebacker? So, you know, I had over 30 tackles while I was there in, in four years. Not one punt return, not one kickoff return for me or Keith in those four years. Um, and, and so, you know, we, you know, there were times, you know, we, you know, we, we took the opportunity to say, hey, we're football players too. Nobody, you know, we'll get a mark on our helmet. We go in there, we put our head down and we deliver a tackle. But, you know, we're in there with you. And, uh, and we're not going to shy away from the opportunity to, to contribute in whatever way we need to. I, I have to be here to brag about my one carry for minus 18 yards. <laughs> At North, what home against Northwestern, the ball went through the, the, the holder's hands. And all I could articulate was the thought of JY at practice always saying, if the snap gets fumbled and you pick it up, do not throw the ball. Because apparently at Purdue, he had a field goal kicker throw a pass for an interception for a touchdown. He lost a Rose Bowl bid. Hmm. So um, when I picked up the ball, um, I wasn't long for being on the ground. And when I got up, I was looking out my ear hole. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I, I, yeah, I think now that's a team rush. I don't think that would go to you, Keith. I think that that wouldn't go to the kicker. I think they count that as a team rush. So, <laughs> well, there you go. You may be out. You may be. Uh, you may be out of that minus eighteen yards per carry. I, I have. I think I'm, we, a bi- I'm a binary running back. <laughs> we have to update. We have to update that. Uh, we have to update the stats from that year, uh, man. Uh, just um, just you guys talking about uh, it. Just it just gets you thinking about just thirty tackles for a career for a punter, it's gotta be some kind of, kind of record bit. I mean, I, that's, that's, that's nowadays it's probably unheard of. Maybe back then it was a little bit more frequent, but right now, I mean, that's kind of cause the punters are pretty much, I guess, sort of the last line of defense to maybe run a guy out of bounds or something like that, you know, to a point. I mean, that had to be like, I mean, you, you, were you sprinting down the field looking to hit somebody when you were, when you were punting or? Well, you know, I, you know, you, you take your, take your opportunities and we, I, again, you know, I kind of say, you know, Keith, Keith played football in, in high school. I played football in high school as well after we weren't just kickers. And um, gosh, I mean, you want to be, you know, kind of just in the muck mix and uh, as everybody else is. And, and uh, again, you know, kind of taking pride in the fact that we never had a kickoff or a punt return. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we had one of the, and one of the special teams requirements for JY was we wanted, uh, you know, punts, punt returns under five yards and we wanted uh the kickoff starting position inside the 20 and i would say for the most part all four years i think we were able to accomplish that you know so um you know it wasn't like we had poor special teams and guys were just running through us like swiss cheese but you know we were down there contributing and and doing what we needed to do to make sure we were um you know keeping keeping the defense ready to go I have to ask you guys, uh, Bit, you sent me a picture of you and Keith back in your playing days, right? And I look yeah. at the the jerseys, the Army football yeah, jerseys right. from that back then. Let's let's talk about those jerseys. And uh, Keith, you have one on. Look at I, look at that. I, I broke it out. That is that is vintage stuff right there, man. That's that's nothing like what they wear. Um, what they were now, but um, certainly back then, I mean, it definitely gave you guys a little uh, personality, right? Wearing those, wearing those jerseys, jerseys were different back then. Talk about that and the jerseys back then. Well, they were the tearaways and, and um, you know, uh, the, as a kicker, we didn't have much contact. So we were out there for style. So That's right. we had our, in those days we had abs six packs, maybe 12 packs. Um, but um, it was all about how we looked in our uniform as kickers. But when it came down to it, um, you know, like we talked about, we put in the time in the weight room and, and when we were called up there, we, we responded. We still have six packs. We just have a lot more insulation around them right now. Yeah, we're, they're in an igloo cooler. <laughs> <laughs> 
but but you look at the the, the jerseys now, especially when it comes to the Army Navy wow. game, right? And how they're highlighting a, a certain unit or division uh, in the Army. I mean, those are you always there's now an anticipation, like what first week of December, getting ready for those jerseys. And I don't know. To me personally, the Tenth Mountain Division it was my favorite so far. Um, maybe because it snowed that day that they played, and it just wow. seemed right that those jerseys were appropriate that day. Um, what do you guys think about the, the current Army Navy jerseys and what might have been your favorite favorite well, so I, far? I, I definitely I definitely think we're kicking Navy's ass in the in the uniform competition, uh, as well as Air Force. Uh, and, and I think you know the the folks at Nike have done an amazing job. The lady that does that, I forget her name. Um, I've met her once before, but she I know that whole department spends time with the history department and they're working on themes and doing the history and trying to relate, you know, what the theme of the, the uniform is going to look like. And they're doing it, you know, 12 months or more in advance. Uh, so I, you know, I can imagine they put their heart and soul into those types of things. And, and uh, I know the, the cadets enjoy it. I know, you know, whether you're on the team or as part of the core, I mean, it is just a, it's just an unbelievable, it creates a, you know, a next level atmosphere um, for them and as well as the relational army units that they're representing um, as, as part of that tradition. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm on board with you. I love the 10th mountain division uniform, uh, the battle of the bulge one that I think was kind of the one that started it yeah. uh, is amazing as well. And I mean, like you look at even the undergarment in the battle of the bulge has the different battle formations and the, the land masses and uh, whatnot. I mean, the, the level of detail that they have gone into creating those uniforms is kind of, is just next level. I know as a, a, you know, obviously an army Navy fan myself, I mean, I'm ready like that, last week of November, first day or two of December, I'm like, man, I'm ready for the, I'm ready for the fan gear to come out so I can, I can start, you know, loading up the credit card with two or $300 worth of stuff. So uh, I, I just, I think it's, it's an amazing part of the esprit de corps and, and, and the environment that they're creating there. Yeah. When we were seniors, I think they broke out the divisional patches. For yeah. Right. Years for the army navy game yep and, uh yep. so it, that was that was that, that was a really the sense of pride to know that when you're on the field and the camera zooms in and the people that are in the first cab or the 82nd airborne or first ad id they they they're cheering because their re, their division is up on the screen and represented and um you know um we didn't get much fan mail because you know, it's not a very popular place to send mail at West Point, but but the people that would would reach out um, through different outlets at West Point after the Army team beat Navy was was a real sense of, of pride and accomplishment. And some of the proudest moments that I can recall uh, in my life. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Let's uh, just uh, fast forward a little bit and talk about both of your guys' life after West Point, maybe your military service and what you guys, um, once you left the military, what your what your careers end up with. Because, uh, you know, that's, a, you know, you hear a lot of recruits and commits say now, you know, it's not just about uh, the four years or five years at West Point or the five years of service that is required after graduation. They, they talk about like a 40-year commitment. 40 year almost commitment. So uh, maybe you could guys, you guys could talk to us a little bit about what life was like for you guys after West Point. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, we both you know, kind of entered into, into that era. It was, we were in the, in the midst of a pretty massive transition, right? So we were going from the Soviet uh, defense and offensive doctrine uh, back then. And then all of a sudden, when I first got to my, my first unit, uh, all of a sudden Saddam Hussein invades Kuwait and we're in desert shield and desert storm. So we went from a, a, just a, you know, the whole doctrine around what we were doing, it was in a massive change. And, um, after desert storm, uh, we there was a massive process of reducing troops out of Europe and, uh, 
retiring divisions and whatnot. And the, I was in the Hell on Wheels Second Armor Division at the time, which we ended up retiring. I was stationed at, at, uh, at Fort Hood. Um, and then there was a big drawdown on the Army. So I, I ended up getting out after just over three years active duty, went into the reserves for five years. Um, and I've been at Dell for the last uh, 22 years. But there's, there's you know, even when you're not on active duty, reserve duty, whatever it is, I, there's still a sense of, of community and service and, and whatnot that, that you provide back, that you're always trying to provide back to. And, you know, the time at Dell that I've spent, I've been, we've been heavily involved in supporting the federal government. Um, I had people that worked for me that were actually in Afghanistan and Iraq, um, helping to support the warfighter downrange with computer servers, hardware, software support, and, and putting a supply chain in, 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 in place to support them. Uh, but you know, there's, there's always a sense of service. There's always a sense of pride and leadership and, and the, the opportunity to, to continuously give back to the country in, in any way, shape, and form that you can. And, uh, Keith, well, um, how, my, my military career was very short. Um, I did not graduate from West Point. Okay. Uh, I, I was separated uh, for, for a lack of judgment, for, better, for lack of better terms. But um, I will tell you this, through that failure, it, it really made me understand a little bit more about what my purpose in life should be. Um, with all the success and all the, the great memories I had, but the one thing I took away from West Point was the ability to manage a heck of a lot of activities all at the same time and find a way to complete the mission. And that really allowed me to go on and, and, and uh, continue my education. I, I actually graduated from Rutgers University the following year. And uh, I went for my master's degree and I fell in love with a company that uh, swept me off my feet, so to speak. And, and I've been working uh, in the environmental remediation business as a project manager and program director now, um, decommissioning industrial and military infrastructure all over the country. Uh, I spent three years in Alaska cleaning up the uh, wasteland that was the, the, the material inventory left after World War II from Lendon Lease to the Russians. Um, I, I, I've been to Picatinny Arsenal, Sunflower Army Ammunition Plant, Lake City Army Ammunition Plant, Hastings Naval Depot, uh, McGregor Naval Weapons Industrial Reserve Plant, cleaning up the remnants of what went into developing the technology, the armaments that supported our freedom. So indirectly, I've, I've been working for the Corps of Engineers almost 30 years now, not as a Corps of Engineer employee, but a contractor to the Corps, dealing primarily with military installation and defense, including radiological defense out at Naval, uh, Nevada test sites and the 10 FUSRAP nuclear development sites around the country. Um, so I, I haven't necessarily served the way I had hoped to, but my heart was in the right place uh, for the last 30 years working to fulfill some, some contribution to that infrastructure and, and our mission. Absolutely. That's a, that's a, a great story. Thanks for sharing Keith. Uh, if you, Guys, if you're listening right now, uh, you can find our podcast on every major podcast platform. We also have a YouTube channel where this podcast will be also uh, broadcast. And um, please visit Black, Black Knight Nation for coverage of the Army football team. I'm going to uh, have some my snap count. Uh, offense and defense for Western Kentucky is going to be up shortly and uh, see how many snaps the guys played and get a little uh, – go into the numbers a little bit from that uh, crazy wild 38-35 win, right, guys? That was a, that was a, a, a wild finish. and uh, fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they keep you on the edge of your seat sometimes, right? This Army team, uh, 
the way Jeff Munkin's team has played a lot of close games and their successful seasons. We can go back to the one year where they had a, a couple overtime games and pulled out wins yeah. that were really just uh, edge of your seat type college football games, probably some of the best games I've seen at Mikey stadium. Um, we really appreciate you guys coming on Keith and bit. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Um, if you have any final thoughts, um, please feel free to, for any final thoughts you have on your relationship, your, your connection to army football, or uh, just, just in general, any final thoughts? Yeah. I, you know, um, Keith and I have been friends for, you know, 35 plus years now. Um, we're best of friends and, you know, the memories that we have, you know, we continue to build on They're like fish stories. They always get better uh, over the years. We continue to maintain, you know, connections with some of the other, uh, other members of the brotherhood. I, I think that's hugely important. And I love what coach Munkin is doing around connecting the few, you know, the current black Knights, the future black Knights. Uh, he's doing a great job of building out the brotherhood and, um, I just, you know, I couldn't be happier with uh, the direction he's guided the program over the last several years and, uh, you know, look forward to continuing to be a part of it. And, um, and you know, always cherish my memories with Keith and, and some of the oddball things that we do, would do as kickers and punters for sure. That is the truth. That is the truth. Uh, those are some of the best memories uh, that um, even my kids to this day uh, talking to them about what it was like being at West Point and taking them to the Army Navy game, and having them experience uh, that that electricity—it's it's been great to share that with with uh, with my family. Um, you know, I, I, I it would be um, very uh, appropriate, I guess, to just send out some props to all of the active duty military people that are sacrificing every day away from their families, putting it on the line for us to enjoy having this type of forum on a, on a you know, Wednesday night at eight o'clock. Um, the freedoms that we enjoy are because those guys and gals are on the front lines giving us this opportunity to be free. Absolutely. Well, well, well said, Keith, and a great way to end this podcast, guys. Thanks for joining us. We hope to stay in contact with you, and uh, all, all the best. Thanks, Al. Appreciate you having us on. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful Eat night. Navy. Eat Navy. <laughs>